everybody, welcome to A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. I'm your host, Matt Powers, and this is a podcast and YouTube show where I get to interview all the people that are spreading regenerative solutions all over the world. So I get to talk to them, I get to pick their brains, I get to talk about what's coming up, what they've learned, what they need to share with us, what we can do today to make the world a better place and make our lives more regenerative, more ethical, more congruent, more rewarding, and more meaningful. Thank you so much for joining us. So today we're talking to Zach Lokes. Zach's book, The Permaculture Market Garden, is absolutely incredible. If you like Jean-Martin Fortier's The Market Gardener, this book is part two. It's by the same publishers. Zach has taken things to a totally new different level visually. If you are a gardener and want to think about what it would take to be a market gardener, if you're a market gardener and facing burnout, you're going to want to listen to this episode, watch this episode, and stay tuned to the end because there's amazing information in this episode and there's amazing information in his book. So get ready. This is Zach. I'm so excited. Thank you for joining us. This is A Regenerative Future. You know, I, I, I like to say that I was a lifelong doodler. And if you look at the margins of, you know, a lot of my um, textbooks from high school and university, I mean, I just doodled all over the margins. My geology classes, like I was drawing the different types of volcanoes that existed, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, I, and then I got into design work, but, you know, I like to do a, a mix of designs and infographics and then just straight up illustrations. So the illustrations are, are to inspire people, right? And the infographics are to teach people and uh, the designs are really to, to show exact of what needs to be done for a site. So. But you go further than that. You'll show what's wrong, the diagnosed problems and it actually allows people to go, oh, I see now. Because you literally show in a visual what's going on with, you know, tillage or, or something else where it's a mistake and it'll be like, oh, wow, I see it. And then you invite them to ponder, to reflect on a spectrum yeah. of ideas. And then you say what you did in your context. And you give so much context to your context that it really causes the people reading it to go, what about me? You know, like I say in some of the intro material, you know, it's about connecting the earth sciences to the practice of resilient profit because you have to have some understanding of the way that the earth works in order to have any business interacting with it, you know? So, um, you know, so it's permaculture, but it's also just ecology, you know, which, you know, it's words are words, right? But I'm an image guy, obviously, you know, so for me, words are words, but really, you know, if a, if a, if a image is worth a thousand words and I, I guess an infographic is like 10,000, you know, or something, right. That's the, the power behind the visual. So <laughs> yeah, I, I was really stunned and actually it just kind of like slowed me like way down. And I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of your work is that you instantly, it's like, wait, 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 everyone sit down. And it's like, like everyone in your head, you know, it's like everyone sit down, we got we to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and you do give, you give the, the most thorough 
perspective it feels from a geological from you know geomorphological like you've got all these different really awesome academic aspects that you weave in a unique blend that allows for this really great reflection that i i don't see that in other books i don't see that in other lenses um and you do give that amazing generalized introduction to so many different aspects that most yeah, people yeah, yeah. touch upon yeah. Because of your yeah. educational pathway, and I want to touch upon that in a second. But just to capstone this, this you know, this intro about why this book is so incredible, I really think it goes back to that one principle or that one element that you, where you listed these elements that I really want to say. These are the things that I want to convey with this book. One of the last yeah. ones, which really yeah. just to me was adopt systems and design from other farms and then mold them to your context and adapt them to suit your operations and yeah. lifestyle. Don't blindly apply another's approach and <laughs> why it works on their farm and critically evaluate how it might work on yours. Like, so yeah. Yeah. like everyone, <laughs> that is yeah. like the linchpin in, in, in good practice. But then yeah. your book, it, it, forces the reader because of the 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 intricacy and beauty of your infographics of like yeah. the tangents on the side you're like oh that's how many aphids you eat that's crazy and then you're like you're going through it and it's it just has this richness that causes that constant reflection that causes yeah. you to think contextually because you're like well, let's look at the past of this region that I am now in, in, in Canada, and let's look at what formed the actual soils. I mean, we don't see that. We have people talking about how soils form, but you do case studies for your yeah. bioregion, and then you say, in your final one, see how your farm fits into the local regenerative and global movement. What is your research contribution? And it yeah. feels like this book is a massive research contribution that really beckons the reader to do due diligence because it's their success. Prove that. You're referring to the, the beginning of the book where I, I kind of hit on all the key points early on. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also, you know, kind of tighten it up as a, uh, as a bit of a thesis too, so people can, can dive into it there, but then expand on it in the text. So that one point you mentioned is, is, was really uh, fr from the, the section on model designs, where you look at a farm over here and you say, okay, I see something they're doing, like let's say a, um, a practice of stale seeding their beds so that they can get rid of weeds before they plant their vegetables. And I take their exact techniques for that uh, pre-weeding, and I say that's a model design of pre-weeding. So now let me adopt it and then adapt it to my context. And that way I make sure that it works for my land, what I grow, nothing's the same. And then of course, like you hit on there too, the last part is the lifestyle where we really have to uh, remember that we get, it's easy to get excited as ecologists, as permaculturalists, as market gardeners, as homesteaders. Uh, and, and it's easy to get carried away. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And we see things as we explore other people's farms and homesteads and home gardens. And we immediately, it's almost like human nature. We immediately want to take that on as some beautiful thing of our own. And we have to remember that, you know, we can't do everything. And so the, the idea of the permaculturalist is doing everything is almost 
the possible downfall of the movement or the success of the individual or family, the homestead, home garden, or farm. It's about seeing your context within the whole and understanding that I can focus on my production and diversity and resilience comes in at the margins in a well-designed system. I need not be the very precise steward of every single type of production that exists in order to have the complement of those diversities. I need not produce honey to have wildflowers and pollinators uh, for my fruit production, you know? I need not, you know, be producing a compost commercially to exercise good cover crops into my rotation to create in situ compost systems to benefit the soil life, you know? I need not have all of the animal diversity that I might think, maybe I can partner with neighbors, maybe I can partner with people within the property and create guilds of enterprises and guilds within the community. So. That is a big part of it is that layering and that simplifying. So I, I you know, my, my goal with the book and, and it's, I feel like you're, you're, you're reiterating a lot of its success for me was that I wanted to show the complexity, but then also streamline and make it simple. Because I think that that's why we've had this agribusiness movement and we've gone to monocultures is they're somehow simple, right? So let's show how diversity can be simple by streamlining the way that we create enterprises within our property, whether it's commercial or whether it's a homestead, you know? So touching upon your story in the book, which is really powerful, I often talk about how the next generation of permaculture will rise up and educate us on the next layer of understanding. And what's really incredible is you are exactly that. You grew up on a permaculture homestead. So how has that formed all of this? Well, you know, I, I like you, when you live something, you don't always know what you're part of. Right. So I say that with, you know, with all uh, humble nature, like I, I just was a kid, you know, playing in my yard, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, looking back, like I had a lot of great experiences with permaculture because my dad was a designer. Um, I remember my brother and I would go on job sites with him all the time and be building swales and planting trees. I spent a lot of time cruising around nurseries, you know, as like a little, you know, Santa Fe dude, you know, cruising, <laughs> cruising around the nurseries, picking out good xeriscape plants and like, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, um, spent some time building some um, adobe housing too, things like that. And uh, of course the property we had was actually right on the edge of the limit of uh, the divide between rural and uh, urban Santa Fe, Um, right on the edge. We were actually technically not rural, but we were one house away from being rural. So um, we had a lot of stuff that we were pushing the limits on even though we were pretty rural, you know, we had a lot of animals and a lot of uh, fruit production going on and, um, you know, an earth burned greenhouse and compost systems and things like that. And so I got to be around all of that and get my hands dirty. And then, you know, right out my backyard, I would run off into the Arroyo systems and see the raw forces of nature at work in the desert with the the ant colonies and the the horny toads and the, the, the lizards and, um, you know, the erosion that occurs in the landscapes back there, you know, and so it's, it, it was uh, uh, an interesting mix to be immersed within the edible systems uh, in my homestead, but then also have access to that raw nature, which, um, you know, is so formative, I think, in my interest in science and natural science and ecology, 
which brought me roundabout to farming and then to permaculture farming and permaculture homesteading and, and the kind of work that I do today. So, yeah. What's so cool is that it seems like, at least from the way you wrote about it, that your dad wasn't like, you must be like this. Ah, you're going to college. Well, they're going to teach you crazy things there. So you got to like many of us who are parents worry about, you know, our children being exposed to the mainstream and getting crazy yeah. ideas. Um, but yeah. it's like your dad is, is a, a person asks questions and invokes reflection and I and, and and maybe that's where it comes from in your writing but but it is a very it is the highest level of of learning is that reflection critical thinking stage or a highest mm-hmm. level of cognition really but but man is that where that came from yeah for sure I mean you know I I always I always would say you know um to friends and things like that because you know people would ask me about my childhood or blah, 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 as most people do. And, and then how, how that influenced where I am today. And I think that, um, you know, my dad was an ecologist and, uh, my mom was a humanitarian. And so I, and I can see it in me now, like I'm really interested, like my work right now is primarily getting edible ecosystem designs into community spaces schools, bike lanes, uh, libraries, um, homes, homesteads, farms. Like I just want that to be out because I want people to smell flowers. I want them to eat fruit. You know, I want them to, um, is there anything really more human than a few people walking down an edible hedge, picking fruit, getting exercise, talking and relating, enjoying some now, fresh nutrition in their body and saving some for later for the community. Like that's the root of human for me. And so uh, I guess to bring it around about, I see that kind of ecology and humanity uh, blending together, um, you know, and now as I get older, you know, looking and understanding and self-reflection, you know, my, my, my heritage, my parentage coming through in that, my childhood and experience of that uh, coming through. So, you know, we used to have huge uh, potlucks and stuff on, on our uh, homestead as a kid and just, you know, many, many people coming through. You know, we'd, we'd harvest our own lamb and there'd be so many people that you had to choose if you wanted a fork, a spoon or a knife to enjoy it with, you know, <laughs> because we'd run out of our silverware, you know? And, uh, and so I think that, um, that that's a lot of what I, what I'm passionate about right now is bringing people and, and, and food landscapes back together. So that we're surrounded by the sort of beauty and abundance that they provide. So, and the permaculture market is a big part of that, you know, in terms of helping people, um, you know, not, not, not only is it about commercial market gardening, but also, um, starting a small property from scratch with the potential to become profitable as a, as a, as a commercial enterprise. And so that, that, that's really, you know, it's, it's, it's keen into um, helping people grow better food and, and grow better food for people as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So tell us more about your projects right now and, and your vision right now that you're working on. 
Yeah, well, um, you know, a lot of uh, kind of delving more into uh, the design behind different food systems, uh, making it more approachable for people, opening that up to more more people so there's more opportunities for growing it. Um, you know, I'm really, you know, excited about uh, edible landscape design now. I, I was a landscape designer when I was younger. Uh, and then I started uh, working in forestry and farming, and I'm actually coming full circle back to this because it really gives me a lot of opportunity to interact with more people and help them get more food. So um, I'm nursing a lot of plants now that I believe in, hardy fruits and berries and nuts and herbs, um, and working to get them out in communities. Um, there's a grand opening of an edible bike lane in Montreal this spring. Uh, that's going to be really awesome. And uh, in May, we're going to be doing an install in the city of Cornwall down by the waterfront at the Bandshell. So that's going to be super awesome. People can check in on my my Instagram at Zach Lokes to kind of follow along on these events. So you're working with um, like, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of great councils. Uh, say it again. Sorry. So are you working with towns and city councils? I have friends who are, are working with that level and they find it very powerful. Um, but most, mm -hmm. I think most permaculturists are still kind of looking at that neighborhood farmer's market, even though there's some saturation in that farmer's market and looking outside to the town, city, community, it's very powerful. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in working with all sorts of different partners to get this kind of stuff out. So, uh, yeah, city councils and towns, um, uh, community groups, uh, NGOs, you know, um, my, my biggest role in this sort of work right now is I run the Link Hands uh, Heritage Farm uh, here in Ontario, and um, I'm the primary steward of that land, and it's essentially an edible botanical garden where we're a living, a living laboratory of food plant diversity and um, just really trying to trial and research and then put out those genetics into the community saying, this is, you know, essentially ecosystem approved, local ecosystem approved, local climate approved. This is appropriate for your yards, your homes, your farms, um, really building momentum there. So. Um, yeah, this, this kind of uh, work is, you know, it's taken me uh, as far north as Dawson City in the Yukon doing an edible ecosystem install uh, in the city there. So, you know, it's really for me about pushing um, the, the limits of what we can grow and where we can grow so that we can start to rebuild that local uh, food shed, that local food resilience um, in uncertain times when most of our food is uh, – less nutritious because it's it's old um it's less stable uh socioeconomically because it's imported and it's dependent on oil and um just simply it's not actually beautifying our communities so it's a uh, uh, monoculture food production far-flung places is not be beautifying the communities there either and it's certainly not beautifying our community so um and I, and I, I don't want to poo-poo the system in any way. Actually, I, I think this is where we're at. It's humanity. This is part of our journey. So um, let's rock the next step, which is reintroducing awesome food plant guilds into our yards and our, our parks and our, you know, everything, you know, enjoy it. And, and, uh, and it's possible. It's so possible. So. So what recommendation? <laughs> So what kind of obstacles or difficulties or things that um, other other designers, because I know I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I know of certain community gardens, 
food forests, those kinds of things that regularly fall into disrepair because yeah. they aren't designed to be resilient enough, designed to be wild enough. And so a lot of times people have the best of intentions, but they go to the local nursery. They're just buying what's locally there. It wasn't grown there usually. And yeah, yeah. And By then, local nursery, like big box nursery usually, right? So right, yeah. right. And they're just plugging yeah. in and they're maybe doing like a net and pan patterning or something like that. Maybe they're doing an NAP patterning, but it's it's yeah. really kind of um creating a situation where it's just as soon as a pest can get in, as soon as something gets in there, it just starts demolishing it. Um, and then it's then the whole idea of being seasonality um, also is very difficult because th those stores aren't designed for that. You know what I mean? You, you have like three apples and it's not like they're early, mid, late. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of the time, oh, yeah. uh, it's hard to find all of that. Um, what recommendations would you have? Yeah, I mean, Matt, like I have spent a, um, a lot of time looking at community spaces and looking at gardens across all sorts of uh, landscapes and situations and um, seeing some similarities. And a lot of it, uh, it can be read in the context of, of this uh, uh, book, uh, The Permaculture Market Garden. And um, so one of the main things that I, that I see is that uh, uh, on two things, on the, on the commercial side of things, uh, the production's not diversified. And so they're having all these problems with the lack of diversity. On the community garden and home garden side of things, um, they're too diversified and they're not focused enough. Um, and so by limiting the diversity, uh, they can actually succeed better. For instance, you can, um, instead of having a crop rotation through space, and so you have all the things you want to grow in your garden in the same year, you can have the crop rotation through time. So you can have your garden plot and just plant three vegetables, rock it, do it super well. And then the next year do three different vegetables, rock it, do it super well. You know, that would simplify the home gardener for success because every vegetable requires skills, tools, investment of energy. You, you have to respect that the plant has its own nature and its own complement of issues as well as solutions. So, Take it slower uh, and build upon your successes to keep you in the game, in the gardening game longer. Um, I think that's one thing. The second thing is that we've got to organize our garden spaces better. And that's one of the key things that the end of the permaculture market garden looks at is the permabed system that I developed specifically to organize for food forest design or for edible ecosystems, to organize it so that it can be diverse and regenerative, it can be complex, but we need not manage the complexity. We need only manage the set patterns, the, the key designs that we're implementing within a framework of permabeds that allows us to do it efic efic uh, efficiently, right? So, um, for instance, a, a, an idea of that is the, the simple principle that I put out about um, alternating uh, maturity having every bed have a different maturity and grouping plant maturity into early maturing, mid maturing and late maturing. So you never have two beds with two crops that are both early maturity or both later maturity. And this is an example because if you, if you accept, if any of us accept that alternating maturity is a good idea, 
you need not always understand all the different reasons that that benefits the system. The benefits are going to be there anyways. And then you can see some of the benefits. So for instance, uh, in all my guild designs, I use a triad of three beds. And if the middle bed has a late maturing crop like squash and the outer beds have early maturing crops, crops like um, uh, arugula, say, or spinach, early spinach, then you can harvest that spinach, you can harvest that maturity, after, uh, that, that arugula after 30 days. And then the, the rest of it can become a in situ mulch and the squash can spread over top of it. So you're maximizing your space time energy efficiency. And you've used the simple principle of alternating maturity. The first bed has a crop that matures within 30 days, a crop that here matures within about 100, 110 days, and then another 30-day crop. So you're automatically getting benefits. But there's integrated pest management benefits. There's uh, in-situ mulch creation benefits. There's maximizing space-time energy benefits instead of just you know keeping the outer beds weeded or covered with plastic or something just until the squash grows big. There's all these benefits. But the principle is actually simple. And in other situations, there's other benefits, you know, with, um, with a, a center bed in uh, transplanted kale and the outer beds in transplanted head lettuce and transplanted beets, you have the efficiency of going through and transplanting all of these beds. So all three crops are transplanted, which means you can prep all three beds to be transplant crops which gives a ton of efficiency. All transplanted crops can use drip irrigation instead of sprinkler. All of them can use mulch instead of having to direct seed into a fine till. But then you have an early maturing head lettuce, about 40 days. You have a later maturing kale, which can continuously be harvested all season long, and an early maturing transplanted beet, again, 35 days. But then when you harvest those out, on either side, it allows you to cover crop those beds down to an annual rye, and then you can push a cart along that bed for really fast, efficient harvest of kale, which any market gardener knows that if you have a harvest routine down for kale that's fast, because you can go right along it with a cart, kale becomes an extremely economical crop for a market garden. It's very fast to harvest, and harvest time is one of the key ways that you can either make or break your uh, crop success in terms of profit return. So that is more of a commercial example of how alternating maturity can have these other benefits. So this is, this is really what it's about for me uh, to bring back to your question about what the community gardens can do is increase organization, increase simplicity, and understand some key principles and then follow them. You know, at first blindly until we see all the benefits that are offered in different ways. So that would be kind of a go-to, oh, I'm not really sure, I, I, you know, I don't have all my guild designs in order. No worries, alternate the maturity of plants. Every single seed packet says DTM, days to maturity. You know, there's a whole bunch that are around 30, 35. There's a whole bunch that are around 60, 70, 80. And there's a whole bunch that are around 90, 100, 110. So you have three different chunks. You can, the, the late maturing can, can alternate with early maturing or with mid maturing. The mid maturing can alternate with the early maturing, you see? So we can create this really fluid uh, a model for guild design that has myriad benefits. And then even with our plants, I mean, there are late, there's late corn, and then you've got some of these really crazy, and some of them are Canadian, corns that like grow this tall, 
and they've got two years on them, and they're like, hey, hey man, we got, we, got, we got three solid months, okay? I mean, I, yeah, got, I just got bumped another six inches out here. You know, here we are in April. I've planted April 1st before here. Um, you know, really getting in early, obviously, but right now there's still six inches of snow and it's fresh. <laughs> so it's going to be a late season overall, but you know, <laughs> that's where those small corns come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're really good. I mean, I really believe that, um, understanding like the, the variety, the, the bend and twist of the variety that allows you to do so much flexibility, um, can, can shift all that. So speaking to that, the elegance of the triad, you have this rule, this rule of three. Would you mind sharing with yeah. us? <laughs> That's, I, I, I like numbers, and, uh, and I really like the number three. So I have this rule of three, yeah. And so for me, the, the best way I like to explain this is that, um, you know, one, you know, you're all alone. One plant, one person, you know, one farm, one homestead, you're all alone. Two, all of those are starting to have a conversation, right? But three is the first number where you get dynamic interactions. Now, these two can communicate. These two can communicate. These two can communicate. All of them can communicate. There is this dynamic management that occurs. And so for me, I always go to sim simple ideas. So three is the best number because it's the first number that dynamic interactions occur. So it becomes the base number for all decision-making. If you ask me a question literally, and the answer is a number, I'm going to go to three. And if, and if I decide I want to go to a higher number than three, then it's probably going to be six or nine or 12, you know, um, because that's just the way I think. But three, certainly for guild design, it is the magic number. And the first guild is actually just the human, you know, the plant and the soil. That's, that's the first guild that we have. Before we even think about these fancy guilds of, you know, you know, tomatoes love this and carrots like that and garlic does this, I think that sometimes we get lost as, as gardeners and, and permaculturalists in, in the complexity of guild design, and we forget that the first guild is between the steward, any plant, and the soil that's guild number one and so healing the soil is critical you know um, i know i lay this out in the book but uh, you know i also teach soil science at algonquin college here and and um soil technically speaking uh is 45 percent mineral like sands silts clays what have it whether it be a loam or a heavy clay it's 45 percent mineral and it's 25 percent water and 25 percent air and then roughly 5% soil organic matter. So what that means is that 50% of our soil is actually pore space, which makes it rich, ironically, but it's, it's the porosity in the soil that can hold air and hold water. And this is so critical for the health of the soil. So if we have soil that has you know, only 5% pore space for air and 5% pore space for water, it's mostly just mineral, which means it's on its way to becoming rock. You know, this is, this is lithification here, people, right? So, and, and this is critical, you know, because sometimes I'll, I'll get uh, questions at, at events and some people say, well, why, you know, what's the, the, the importance of the water or the air? And, you know, just to give the example of water, plants get their nutrients, receive nutrients through the soil water solution. 
That's like literally how they take it. It's like dissolving salt in a glass of warm water and then drinking it. And, and, it, and it's how we receive it in our body. I mean, humans are mostly water, right? Uh, our planet is mostly water. We need not look far into science to find the solutions in the soil or human health or uh, environmental management. I mean, we are a water-based system here on this great earth planet, right? So. Um, we need to have the pore space in the soil so there's water so the nutrients can be taken up to the plants. Otherwise, you can pour on as much fertilizer as you want. It's just going to run off with the rain or go in back into the atmosphere, you know, because nitrogen readily does. So we have to have that porosity. So before we get into complex skill design of any different plants that work well together, we need simply design healthy soil to work with any plant. That's awesome. Yeah, you actually go, and, and I think everyone should go see this. In your book, you really diagnose that triad visually and, and use primary colors so it's really clear, but you walk us through it visually, and I, I really feel like for many people, that is the missing component in really comprehending so many of these concepts is those visuals you created. You know, talking about it, I can even show a couple things here just so people – you know, can see there's for a little sure. there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, here, for instance, you know, just at the start, we're comparing the environmental spheres of earth with what occurs in the soil. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is the, part of the first part of the book where you're getting a primer in that. Um, but the permabed system, as you can see, what's happening here is it's all about creating a crop rotation around guilds of three plants. Mm -hmm. And the annual guilds are rotated around perennial guilds. So you have your annual guilds in rotation and they're working together. And then you have your perennial guilds in there. So, you know, that's really uh, what, what you're referring to there. And then the use of the colors is a strategy for teaching, right? Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. when, we get, when we get those colors in there, it helps our brain think. And I mean, I guess, you know, you're saying that that was, that was helpful, right? To see that uh visually yeah english language learners um and english uh learner development like that is like one of the biggest practices that we're taught um in our master's degree programs and our student credentialing programs as k-12 educators is the usage of color and it's it's often yeah. what like um is the biggest difference between someone who's ell um getting math and not because math in, in most schools are, is black and white. It's sterile. It's yeah. boring. And it becomes extraordinarily yeah. hard for those students. And so I've always recognized that it's that engagement of the color, which is, you know, when you go out of the world, the world's doing that to us. It's engaging us with color. Oh, you did such a great job. And I really think everyone needs to check out this book, buy this book, and and really use it even if you even if you're already market gardening even if you're not market gardening but use it as this reflective lens to look at what you're doing what you could be doing and and really just start that reflection process and i feel like as i've encountered it, i feel like i'm encountering um what, what we talked about at the beginning someone who grew up with permaculture implicit and it is fascinating the the designs you've created the the diagrams the visuals the infographics 
And, and as you say, you know, you're, you're, you're an educator, you're straight up academic. And I love that. And it just is, is a sumptuous meal for the mind as you travel through it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like it's also like a massive checklist. Like if you are a market gardener, and you have been doing this for a few years, you're feeling like you got some stuff going on. And then you read this book, you're literally going to like question so much in the best kind of way. Not like, what am I doing? But like, I could be doing that, couldn't I? It's like, oh wait, let us go and diagnose what we're doing now through this lens. Yeah. Over and over again, there's these concepts like, um, thinking about legacy, I believe that's in there. There's there's all these these secessional business concepts that don't usually fall into market gardening books because they tend to be like, all right, let's get you set up, let's get you making a profit, let's get you going, and it's really yeah. that lifting. But you go further yeah. design management, like the brown, which is the, the brown brain investment idea, right? Make sure that some of your investment in operating expenses every year actually directly builds soil because it's so easy in farming uh, to get carried away with just buying tools and buying row cover and buying, you know, supplies. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a checklist, like you say, um, a sounding board to say, am I investing enough in my soil? Cause every dollar I spend as a business or a homeowner, I have the choice of finding a solution that also builds soil. And I have to remember that that in itself is a form of profitability that comes back, you know? And I, I mean, I know I say it in the book here, but it's like, you know, a lot of this came from going out and looking at the land in the spring when I was just market gardening hardcore and, 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 and doing it just kind of like, you know, making, you know, the year work. Uh, and I just felt like I was starting over every year. I was like, I'm just starting over every year. And yet, hold on, nature is constantly evolving. And so if I'm in the business of essentially, you know, managing nature for food, you know, um, why am I starting over every year? Why is my soil being the community and the soil being pulverized every year? You know, why, uh, are the plant communities never allowing to evolve past the annual stage? You know, like, I mean, one of my most profitable crops, you know, uh, for a while was, um, self seeding kale, uh, in an intercrop with, um, winter rye. And, Every year before I could ever even think about getting a tractor or a draw or a push tractor or even hand tools into my garden to plant a, a bed of kale, I was harvesting kale because it was self seeding. And then the rye, the kale was not being out competed by the rye. So the rye was out competing other weeds, you know? And then, so the kale would grow up every year with this ryegrass, and I was able to harvest really sweet early spring kale, uh, and then it would flower and be this massive pollinator hedge in the farm. And the rye would grow, and I could have rye berries, and it would self-seed itself, and, you know, it was, um, you know, a habitat hotel, I like to call it, you know, for all my beneficials. Um, but it's just a, an example of, you know, this beauty. And, and I have to say again, that, that the greatest things come from, you know, negligence. Right. So uh, like I didn't, I didn't intend this, right. Like I just, I just, I let some things go wild, but what's important about that is that because I have the structure 
of permanent raised beds. There's over 600 of them on the farm, right? Because I have the structure of permanent raised beds that are never destroyed, but only rebuilt, you know, one of the key permabed principles. Um, it allows me to experiment. It allows me to say, this bed I'm just gonna leave and see what happens. Because over here, I'm gonna continue to do business as usual. It allows me to transition into a more resilient model. It allows farmers and gardeners to be playful within a natural system that is inherently playful. I mean, you know, so, but we're not sacrificing our annual income, which is so important for a profitable market garden. It's about investing in trees and edible hedgerows within your market garden while still making annual profitability. It's about experimenting with self-seeding crops like kale while still even growing a kale crop that you know will work so that you don't feel at risk. And, and one of the key things to not being at risk is to slowly build investment in alternative systems, not to go you know, you know, whole hog one year. So the permabed system is designed to allow properties to transition. It's truly, truly incredible. I was, yeah, it's, it's, you have the ability to just show all this stuff that a lot of people introduce. Like you look at John Martin Fortier's market gardening book. I mean, almost everyone owns that. It's so amazing. And I love John Martin Fortier, J.M. Fortier. He's a friend of mine. Um, he's a reviewer on my book. Um, but, but it's like the experimentation, the, the, the play that you bring into it it really is the thing that keeps it new for, for, for many of us gardeners because we're the tinkerers. We're the ones who are like, well, what would happen if I didn't do anything over there? Or what if I pair these two plants together? And we keep, we, gardeners have this tinkering element to them. And I think market gardeners do too, perhaps. And this is a really powerful way to just keep that alive, that creativity alive, that, that wonder and relationship and learning with nature, because that's really what it all comes down to, is that conversation and learning from the actual site. The Market Gardener and, and my book, were, it's the same publisher, and actually they, 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 they marry really nicely because the Market Gardener uh, lays out the key principles of market gardening that are being practiced, uh, you know, across the America, but that have really been founded in, um, you know, the Northeast in a big way over the last 20 years. And it's laid out so clearly all those key principles. And what the permaculture market garden does is shows how we can take that efficiency of market garden and build long-term perennial investment to create uh, market garden ecosystems, essentially. So um, there, you know, I, I just really encourage people that that you know, different books, different tools create your great toolkit, and and seeing again how you can adopt and adapt from different things. I think people often want to subscribe to one idea as if it's the the be all and end all. But really, what it is is about understanding the principles behind good people's good work and then finding the great blend for your situation um, and, you know, just gleaning all that wonderful knowledge that's out there in this universe, you know? Absolutely. So. Unless we understand the principles, there's no way that we can improvise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow, this is awesome. So everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening, I, I know that they can recognize how wonderful a teacher you are. And, 
and I and that is also clear in your writing, clear in the visuals. It's really phenomenal. Um, you have lucky students, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to sit in your class and pick your brain and talk about chitinase, cellulase, and all the different like hot things that are going on in soil science right now. Well, we're, ju we're just going to have to run a workshop together sometime. I mean, Heck come on. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm psyched for that. And, and, and you know, I, anyone who's interested in the book, I mean, I'll, I have it available on my website and my publisher's website. And, um, you know, I have another book coming out next year too. That's really, uh, taking these principles and really zooming in on smaller scale solutions for folks too. So, um, you know, there's exciting things to come too with this sort of, uh, visual, um, educational model. Wow. I am so excited to see all the work that you're going to do. And so this was your first book, Permaculture Market Garden, or is it not? Yeah. Yeah, no, this is my first book. Um, I, wow. I, I did a lot of smaller kind of uh, handout manuals that I've used through my workshops and things like that. But no, this is the, this is the first baby. It is absolutely incredible. For your first book, it's just un unbelievable. So I am I am just ecstatic to see what you come up with next year and, and all the following years that come afterwards because you truly are that, that beautiful pairing of your parents where it's care of the earth and care of people married, you know, and created you. It's just absolutely phenomenal. You are living the the vision that many of us have had and it's so, so exciting. So thank you so much for sharing with us. And I want everyone that is watching this, listening to this, to check out Zach's work, to buy his book, go to his website, check out his book, buy his book. And is there a way to subscribe to you? I'm sure there's a way to subscribe to you on your website. Uh, and one of the great things too is on my Instagram. Anyone's on Instagram, I, I'm very active on Instagram because it's it's so easy for me to take snapshots of what's going on, uh, you know, in the gardens and stuff, and where I'm doing events um, and get it out there. You know, I'm running a, a, a book giveaway right now, actually, where um, I'm uh, giving a, a hand custom illustrated book uh, that is uh, in the front cover. So it's pretty awesome. And uh, here, I'll even show you so you guys can see what it looks like. You know, I, I like to mix the beauty of the art with the practicality of it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be pretty fun. So this one is the first time I've done something this intricate. But, you know, in the, in the inside cover, I've actually hand illustrated uh, the book. So I've drawn a scene, you know, it's an original piece of art for the giveaway. So I'm, I'll be continuing to run these mystery plant uh, giveaways on my Instagram and giving out things like this uh, to build momentum for events and um, just to build momentum for, you know, transitioning humanity to a, you know, an edible ecological solution, you know, everywhere. Right. So, um, but yeah, check me out, Zach Lokes. It's just at Zach Lokes on Instagram and, uh, and, uh, www You can, uh, see, you know, where I'll be speaking and, um, you know, check out some more opportunities for, you know, learning, uh, about all this wonderful, you know, stuff that we're talking about, I guess, you know, <laughs>Thank you so much for watching. That was Zach Lokes and we were talking about The Permaculture Market Garden, which is an excellent book. I'm so excited to see all the books that Zach's gonna come out with. 
I mean, when you start off at such a high level with such high quality material, um, it only goes up from there. I mean, he, he's a young man, you know what I mean? There's, there's so much potential there. I'm so excited to, to learn from this new generation that has grown up with permaculture, implicit permaculture learning, designs, all implicit, and especially because he's an academic, so I can get so much, I can, we can communicate so well, and I can learn so much from him so fast. So I am so excited to possibly do things with Zach in the future. Um, I know everyone is stoked to get the book. Please go out and get the book. Um, go on Amazon or on his website. Go check out that book. It's absolutely a gem. <laughs> and if you want to dive deeply into permaculture, market gardening, all the way through ranching, large-scale restoration, rewilding, even down to you know your front yard or a balcony garden in the city, we cover the full spectrum of permaculture in the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. And right now, you can sign up for an incredible deal, only $49 a month. This is a PDC that you can take you could get your permaculture design certification, dedicating yourself to an entire month to study. You could actually do it for only $49, which is unheard of. You could stay in there and then go even further and turn it into the real thing, get support from your peers, from other teachers from all over the world, from me. You'll be able to actually learn as you do it, talk it out, get the support you need to go deeper, higher level, and then make that your advanced permaculture design certification. It's real, it's a project, and you get the support in this amazing community. And not only that, if you have the time to do this, you could blaze through this. If you've got, you know, you want a college level education, the worth of four years of college education in only a few months, you could be doing it for, you know, less than a few hundred dollars. This is never before been offered. This allows everyone to move at their own pace, to be part of a community, you're not gonna wanna miss this. For only $49 a month, you can join the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. Part of a subscription, you can move as fast as you like. You can stay as long as you like. And when you graduate, it goes, you know, it goes down to $20. <laughs> this is an incredible opportunity, don't miss out. Sign up today, join a 600 plus person community from all over the globe, all climates. Amazing diversity and experience where it's not just me facilitating learning, but it's all of us participating in teaching and discussion and growth and support. So don't miss it. I am so excited. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel if this is the first time you're hearing us. We've got tons of videos coming out. I have free stuff, free ebooks, free courses on thepermaculturestudent.com. I'm Matt Powers. This has been A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. <laughs> Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively.